listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, everybody. This is Fred Long, and I am a part of the Proof Text podcast. I also have a YouTube channel, Greek Matters, and I'm going to be starting a series on constituent marking. Now, constituent marking is a system that I've developed over the years, close to 30 years teaching Greek, and uh, it's a way to help navigate the sentence. Now, you can see the legend on the left of things, uh, how to mark things up, and I'm going to produce a course for uh, Glossa House, and that'll be available maybe within the next month or two on how to do this. But I'm going to explain it as we do it. Now, I have the text of 1 Corinthians 12 and following up, and I'm going to do like a verse or so uh, a time, just short little videos. Uh, For those of you who are watching, you'll be able to see me mark up the text. For those who might be listening, I'll be reading the text and then explaining what I'm doing, and maybe you can visualize that um, as you're listening. So uh, let's uh, let's jump right in. First Corinthians twelve one peride ton pneumatikon aldefi u thelo umas agnoin. All right. Well, one of the things I like to do to start is to navigating a sentence is I look for connectors. So I'm just highlighting the de, the de there, peri de, de marks new development. And then I might take note of punctuation. At the end, there's a period. There's also uh, a word set off by commas here, aldelfi. Now, of course, this punctuation is not original to the text. You had some spacing, maybe, um, at times, you can see that in some of our earliest manuscripts. Sometimes you have word wrapping at the end of a sentence. Uh, uh, so you do have some uh, demarcation of word divisions and sometimes even like section breaks and that kind of stuff. But, of course, this punctuation is is a little bit interpretive. And there are times where I think we need to adjust it. And not just me, other textual critics have done the same thing. So, so far, um, as we're looking at this sentence, we see a de, we see a period at the end, we see adelfi right in the middle, set off by commas. This receives curly braces because it is a direct address. So, um, this is a special use of the cases, which is marked down here. And you can draw arrows if it has any particularly any particular reference that may be unclear. Here, the, the siblings, Adelphi brothers or siblings, is referring to the umas, you. All right, so in terms of the sentence then, so after the connectors, which I put a box around, here I've just highlighted it green, but I can also put a box. Then I'm looking for, uh, as I look at the sentence, if I see a preposition, I know it's part of usually a part of a prepositional phrase. And so then I'm looking for, I see peri, and then I see a tone panavmati kon. Then I have the vocative adelphi. So I'm pretty sure that 
that is the end of the prepositional phrase after pneumatiko, kon, um, concerning the spiritual things or the spiritual one. This is an adjective, by the way, pneumatikos. It could re- its its gender could be masculine or neuter. It um, it has that own ending, and so. Yeah, we don't really know. It's a little bit interpretive to say things. Now, concerning spiritual things, I think a lot of translations say spiritual gifts. That's really interpretive. I suspect it's persons. And the reason why is because the end of this discourse unit, which is like 14, I forget the exact reference, 39 and 40 maybe, there is the use of this same adjective definitely referring to a person. So I think that this is a question. We have a change in topic, periton, pneumaticon. This is a, the use of peri is a way to introduce uh, the next topic in the letter and in really any discourse. So peri with the genitive, Delphi. So we haven't even seen the, the main verb yet. So at this point, I'm looking for the verb, fellow. The stello, uthello is negated, and with adverbs, I put a little box around them, or actually I circle them. You can see, or, or a dotted box, <laughs> pardon me, my uh, method has changed over the years. So yeah, dotted boxes, and that's kind of hard to do, but you can do it, a little dotted uh, circle or box around it. So uthello, umas, is double underlined as the direct object. I want you to then do something, agnoin. Now here, I think there's something going on. The thelo takes the complementary infinitive, but it's a little bit more than that because it's actually setting up what I would call a content clause. Now, content clauses are basically the, uh, the clause that refers to what is known, or thought, or believed. And so the the you to, to not be ignorant, agnoin, is actually the content of what Paul wants. He wants that you not be ignorant. And so I'm going to, uh, just to convey that there's some content here, I'm going to put that in brackets. Now you can see that brackets are indicating of subordinate clauses. And when you have multiple subordinate clauses, you can actually begin to number these. Now, in this case, there is no need because this is the only subordinate clause. But as we continue reading through uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to get into some sentences that have multiple subordinate clauses. Each of them is demarcated by a bracket. And then you can close them and you can number them. So that's how I would mark this verse up. It's a way to navigate the sentence. And as you uh, listen and watch, hopefully you'll be able to learn more about how to do this yourself. Thanks for listening and look forward to having you watch and listen to us next time. Hello, everybody. This is Fred Long, and I am a part of the Proof Text podcast. I also have a YouTube channel, Greek Matters, and... I'm going to be starting a series on constituent marking. Now, constituent marking is a 
system that I've developed over the years, close to 30 years teaching Greek, and uh, it's a way to help navigate the sentence. Now, you can see the legend on the left of things, uh, how to mark things up, and I'm going to produce a course for Glossa House, and that'll be available maybe within the next month or two on how to do this, but I'm going to explain it as we do it. Now, I have the text of 1 Corinthians 12 and following up, and I'm going to do like a verse or so uh, a time, just short little videos. Uh, For those of you who are watching, you'll be able to see me mark up the text. For those who might be listening, I'll be reading the text and then explaining what I'm doing And maybe you can visualize that um, as you're listening. So uh, let's let's jump right in. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Peride ton pneumatikon aldefi u thelo umas agnoin. All right. Well, one of the things I like to do to start is to navigating a sentence is I look for connectors. So I'm just highlighting the de. The dead there, peri dead. Dead marks new development. And then I might take note of punctuation. At the end, there's a period. There's also uh, a word set off by commas here, aldelfi. Now, of course, this punctuation is not original to the text. You had some spacing, maybe. Um, at times, you can see that in some of our earliest manuscripts. Sometimes you have word wrapping at the end of a sentence. Uh, uh, So you do have some uh, demarcation of word divisions and sometimes even like section breaks and that kind of stuff. But of course, this punctuation is is a little bit interpretive. And there are times where I think we need to adjust it. And not just me, other textual critics have done the same thing. So, so far, um, as we're looking at the sentence, we see a de, we see a period at the end, we see adelfi right in the middle, set off by commas. This receives curly braces because it is a direct address. So, um, this is a special use of the cases, which is marked down here. And you can draw arrows if it has any particularly any particular reference that may be unclear. Here, the, the siblings, Adelphi brothers or siblings, is referring to the umas, you. All right, so in terms of the sentence then, so after the connectors, which I put a box around, here I've just highlighted it green, but I can also put a box. Then I'm looking for, uh, as I look at the sentence, if I see a preposition, I know it's part of, usually part of a prepositional phrase. And so then I'm looking for, I see peri, and then I see a tone panavmati con. Then I have the vocative adelphi. So I'm pretty sure that that is the end of the prepositional phrase after panavmati ko, con, um, concerning the spiritual things or the spiritual one. This is an adjective, by the way, panavmati kos. It could re, its its gender could be masculine or neuter. It um, it has that own ending, and so yeah, we don't really know. It's a little bit interpretive to say things now concerning spiritual things. I think a lot of translations say spiritual gifts. That's really interpretive. I suspect it's persons, 
And the reason why is because the end of this discourse unit, which is like 14, I forget the exact reference, 39 and 40 maybe, there is the use of this same adjective definitely referring to a person. So I think that this is a question. We have a change in topic, peritone, pneumaticone. This is a, the use of peri is a way to introduce uh, the next topic in the letter and in really any discourse. So peri with the genitive, adelphi. So we haven't even seen the, the main verb yet. So at this point, I'm looking for the verb, fellow. Othello, othello is negated, and with adverbs, I put a little box around them, or actually I circle them. You can see, or, or a dotted box, pardon me, my uh, method has changed over the years. So yeah, dotted boxes, and that's kind of hard to do, but you can do it, a little dotted uh, circle or box around it. So othello, umas, is double underlined as the direct object. I want you to then do something, agnoin. Now here, I think there's something going on. The thello takes the complementary infinitive, but it's a little bit more than that because it's actually setting up what I would call a content clause. Now, content clauses are basically the, uh, the clause that refers to what is known or thought, or believed. And so the the you to, to not be ignorant, agnoin, is actually the content of what Paul wants. He wants that you not be ignorant. And so I'm going to, uh, just to convey that there's some content here, I'm going to put that in brackets. Now you can see that brackets are indicating of subordinate clauses. And when you have multiple subordinate clauses, you can actually begin to number these. Now, in this case, there is no need because this is the only subordinate clause. But as we continue reading through uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to get into some sentences that have multiple subordinate clauses. Each of them is demarcated by a bracket. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glossa House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glossa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glossahouse.com today. Glossa House, language resources for the global community.